Welcome to Game Art Kurt the Games Factory, where we discuss with industry professionals how to break into the industry. And I'm your host, Nick Sweetman. Welcome to the Games Factory. In this session, we're going to talk about game programming. I'm with Alberto Alonso and Vili Kale Arponen. So, guys, could you give me a brief introduction of yourselves? And we'll start with Vili Kale. At the moment, I'm the founder of, of QuickSave. I am now and have been for a while in various roles uh, simultaneously. So I guess I'm mostly like a development director type of guy. Uh, but I currently spend about 50% of my time doing various programmer roles. And uh, Alberto. Hey, uh, my name is Alberto Alonso and I come from Spain. I have been living in Finland for almost six years already. And uh, I am currently CTO and co-founder at Action Reaction Games, uh, where I am basically on top of all the technology needed to develop the game. Could you tell me, what's your favorite computer game? And it can be one that goes back, you know, up to the 80s if you want, which, whichever one. So and we'll start with uh, Ville Kalle. So I was uh, thinking about uh, Grim Fandango, but I think I'll, I'll still go for... Uh, uh, for Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic. Mm-hmm. And what makes that a great game to you? What do you think? Well, actually, both of those games sort okay. of hit the same streak where where yeah. like the games are more than just a game. Uh, they can touch feelings. There are moments in both of the games where you just stop and start to admire both the scenery around you as well as sort of the, the twists in the plot. And, and maybe you've actually like made real connections to the people in the games. Okay. And Alberto, what about yourself? So it's really hard to answer this question because of course I have had, you know, several yeah. favorite games uh, <laughs> through, throughout my history. But uh, yeah. I would say that nowadays my favorite game is Payday 2. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the, the reason for choosing this game is uh, basically the infinite pos- possibilities that you have in the game. So it's a game uh, where you, you have a set of heists that you have to complete uh, with your friends, so it's a cooperative game. Mm-hmm. And it's almost impossible to always find uh, the same heist uh, once again, because all the heists have different variables, like different rooms that spawn in different positions in the map, or different goals that change depending on some random algorithm. So it makes always, you know, it, it always makes it a unique experience. But uh, I would also like to say that uh, one of my favorite games, if not the most favorite game, uh, has been Monkey Island. I I think it was, if not my first game, one of my first games. And I really loved, uh, from that game, you know, all this sarcastic humor that it had, like... If you remember the the sword battles that you you needed to train to to face the the sword master, and that the the fights between the between the player and the NPCs were insults based on insults, and all the, that humor that the the game had back then, uh, all the you know trying to find out how to progress in the game, with really ridiculous <laughs> things, really made me fall in love in that game, and still nowadays I would love to play it again. Okay, so it's like like in your opinion, like designed really well for the player, and it's just general yeah. really good experience everything yeah. is so yeah. well the design yeah. is so good the the story is good uh, the the way to execute the story is good and the graphics were good back then 
although nowadays there is also the remastered version. Also, back then, uh, they were really good. And I don't know. Maybe it's because I'm in love with that game, but <laughs> for me, for me, that game is just the perfection in the shape of a game. Yeah, sure. I think it's a bit sad that uh, that the adventure game genre sort of vanished from from yeah. the, the the game scene. Yeah. Well, pretty much after after uh, Grim Fandango. Grim Fandango was probably one of the last games of the the genre that that Monkey Island, in a way, started. Well, Sierra and and Lucas Arts were the two two yeah. big companies back then doing these type of games. But maybe the the uh, sort of RPG scene in a way took over like from the adventure games and have been in a way pushing that that side but the sort of pure literacy side of things has sort of fallen into the background after the adventure game genre went away so let's move on to the next question and what do you consider the essential ingredients that make a good programmer and what would you say makes a good piece of code if that's easy to actually say um, and we can start with Alberto uh, so usually uh, I divide the skill into three basic pillars. Okay. Uh, so having a good skill at something uh, means that first of all you have the knowledge required for it. Mm -hmm. So in the case of being a programmer, it means that you have the knowledge of what uh, programming languages exist, uh, what APIs do you get from the SDKs. So it's all the collection of uh, different things that you can know about that skill. Uh, there is also a second pillar for it, which is the experience. Mm -hmm. So based on this knowledge that you have, uh, that you have solved the problems, that you have faced all those problems, and therefore the experience tells you what are the good and the bad practices in order to, f to solve the future problems. And then uh, the third uh, pillar for, for any skill, in my opinion, is the discipline. So not only knowing how to do the things, not only knowing uh, not, not only knowing how to solve the problems, but also having a discipline of how to solve them. And one good example for programming is that uh, you are not only able to write code and execute it, uh, you are also able to have a discipline of uh, making good style on your code, so you respect the indentation of the code, uh, you do your unit testing, uh, you do a good uh, deployment pipeline, so you, you, you have that discipline or, or of always, you know, trying to go that extra mile and not, you know, basically not slacking off on the important things that might seem that they are not important, but they are the, the most important probably. Uh, so a good piece of code, I would define it as a piece of code that follows all these three pillars. Mm -hmm. So it knows how to use, it knows what to use, so it knows what's the best programming language or the best SDK in order to solve the problem not knows what's the best algorithm, which is based also on the knowledge and on experience, because the experience tells you which algorithm to use in order to solve a problem. And then it's also based on on discipline, because you are unit testing your code, and you are uh, following a good style, and uh, also a homogeneous style on your code. So that's how I define a good piece of code. Okay, and Villacalle. How do you see that? Yeah. Um, well, first of all, I must say I, I agree with, with what uh, Alberto was saying. Uh, I think that's a, a pretty good sort of like a technical approach into to what a, a programmer should be doing. Uh, I'll take a slightly different type of approach into defining this. So I, I'd say like the, the number one sort of criteria for a, a programmer from my 
perspective is humility. So the ability to be able to take criticism, uh, to be able to look at your own code uh, with an objective eye, to be able to accept that your your code is not good, <laughs> it has bugs, and and even if you're the best programmer in the world, you're still going to be making bad code. If your code doesn't look bad in your eye uh, after half a year, uh, then then you aren't improving as a programmer, and you should be looking at your code as well something that's not the best thing ever, even though that's something you strive for. Um, that being said, I I think one of the the sort of milestones uh, a junior programmer should be striving for, not necessarily something that you you know as a junior programmer, but. Uh, People often think that deleting your precious code is something bad. If if you've made spend a lot of time like making your your precious code, then then why would you want to delete that? But a senior programmer, from my perspective, is someone who takes like immense joy out of deleting his own code. Okay. So if if you're able to delete bad stuff out of your code, then then that should be a moment of celebration. Um. Also, like, well, me, a, a game programmer like like Alberto. So, I'd say a, a sort of extra extra aspect from a, a coder, or well, not an extra one. I mean, this is something pretty essential. But, but a, a programmer, as well as like, well, any other discipline in the game scene, should should have an eye on the the end user, on on the user experience of of the the one who is going to be using the product that that uh, he, he is coding. Well, sometimes that, that end user is the, the gameplay, the, the guy who is playing the game, uh, but sometimes maybe the end user is another programmer. And, and therefore, like, trying to make the code such that it's as usable as possible from the end user's perspective, that's a, an, an attitude that I, I really appreciate. Um, then also like from a, a sort of like a social aspect, uh, if, if I'm hiring a, a programmer, actually I'm, I'm looking forward to growing the culture in my company. So I'm not going to hire someone who's going to like pull my culture down the, the, the gutter, even though that someone might be like a superstar. If, if the rest of the folks are going to be crying in the corner and, and going home and like quitting the company because of this one guy it's the, it's he's just not worth it even though he'd be really good then i guess like a, a follow-up question to this was was uh how to define a good piece of code well i sort of touched upon that mm -hmm. a bit so uh trying to make a really good code and then deleting the the bad parts and sort of refactoring, iterating on on things like that. Being like a good scout, so even if you bump into like someone else's code, like and so you're coding around someone else's code, you should be looking to improve that the readability of of that code as well. So that was the key term actually there, readability. So normally you're going to write that code only once, but unless you're doing some really weird stuff like people are going to be reading your code several 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 times so it's actually much more important that your code is readable than that it's easy to write 
So if you're like trying to make variables that are as short as possible, yeah, I think you are doing something really wrong. So you should be making variables that are as intuitive as possible for the reader. So the, the, the line of code sort of flows as sort of language so that the, okay. the line of code itself explains what it does. So you don't actually even need any comments. You should be making your comments as unit tests rather than as comments. Okay, so it should be as cl clear as possible. Yeah. Yeah, it's basically following the discipline when, when yes. coding. Yeah. Okay. It's really nice that you also talk about the iteration, but they will usually say that, uh, mm. you know, the iteration is the mother of perfection. So you, you can never pretend to make something perfect on the first try. You just do it mm. and then you will be able to iterate over it to yeah. perfect in the future. Yeah. At what age did you both have your first experience with coding and how did it inspire you to work in the field? And we'll start with Villicale. Well, Technology sufficiently advanced is indistinguishable from magic. <laughs> so essentially, like, uh, I think I was seven about, and uh, I think it was my cousin who, who I think he coded in, in basic this sort of like small, very, very mini, mini, mini game where uh, the, the beeper of the PC would make a sound like and then, then it, uh, you'd have to sort of like after that you'd have to sort of like try to match the time of of like how how long did it like go on for and then that there'd, there'd be like an accuracy counter on on how well you hit the mark oh, of of like the okay. and uh, and I I remember that moment being like what 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 happened like how did this guy make this mini game in like 10 minutes it's like this is unbelievable yeah. and uh, and that that was sort of the 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 start for me okay and alberto yeah uh, i started when i was 10 years old uh, i remember that uh, my parents uh, gifted me this computer for kids and one of the options for this kids computer was uh, basic programming so you could make your own games in the mini computer so I, I remember that the book that came together with the mini computer uh, came with some basic programming examples. So I, I put into the computer one of those games, which was pretty similar to the one that Ville was mentioning. Uh, this one was about guessing the, the number. So you would have to guess a number between 1 and 100, and then you would make your guess, and it would tell you to high, to low, until you, you get to the right number. So I would say that my first experience with programming was trying to cheat on this game. <laughs> so the, the first thing that I did was, okay, so I want, I want to impress my friends and I want to show them how I am guessing the right number on the first try. So I modified the code in order to always be the same number that you have to guess. <laughs> Very sly. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And then I actually found out that, you know, this is actually cool. Let's try mm. to do something else. And I kept doing more mm. things until I ended up uh, making a, a Space Invaders game in basic with a little twist that you had to refuel your, your ship as well. And that's how everything started. When you wanted to learn more and more, did you read a lot of specific magazines or, or did you have a coding club or when you were young? 
or did you pretty much just practice like you said by yourself so uh it was a bit of everything uh, but mostly it was because i had uh, friends who were older than i and they had programming books so so i was using them as resources okay. and i was borrowing the books from them uh, and then another way that I also tried to learn some programming, like for example, trying to learn JavaScript was by looking at examples, mm -hmm. which I completely discourage. Okay. So please don't do that. Use the resources that you have uh, available for you. But yeah, uh, it is true that there was no internet. Well, th there was, but mm -hmm. it was not like a big thing that, that nowadays that you, you take for granted. Uh, so the only resources that you had back then were magazines, friends, and books, and that's it. Yeah. What about yourself, Villicala? How did you? Well, I'm a sort of boring, boring type of guy. I, <laughs> I, I guess I tried all sorts of all sorts of things, but, but yeah. being a kid, I ended up like doing other things than programming. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but I had the the programming sort of fantasy in the back background of my head, like going going on so i ended up like going into school and and uh so i'm a master in computer science yes yeah so that's that's how i basically like for reals learned programming and then by experience being in in games companies and so forth yeah okay uh, i would say that there are like easy like motivating ways to learn programming nowadays so there are a lot of like programming games or or gamified programming thingies out there in the internet. Uh, there's programming languages like Scratch, uh, where you can like start by not having to really worry about how do you actually type these things, but you just follow a sort of game type of thing and then, then create your code out of that. But even if you go that route, I'd, I'd say that the number one thing that you should be looking for is, is abstraction. Like many people think that that programming, like really beginner programming is all about like for loops and, and if and so forth. But abstraction is the thing that you should understand as a junior programmer. So abstraction means like changing anything and everything into functions or objects or some sort of reusable stuff that has a nice name that you can then reuse and, and then reuse and reuse and reuse. And then maybe you can make a, a larger component that's again abstracted and then you can reuse that that reuses the smaller components that you made before it's actually abstraction is what coding is okay and alberto what's your opinion as well like uh, for uh, learning and if you don't have access to any school how would you approach it Well, I was actually going to approach this in a in a different way. Uh, I completely agree with Ville, actually, that abstraction is one of the most important skills that, that you need to master when programming. Uh, but I, I was going to focus more my answer into where you can find the resources. So, for example, one very good uh, source for information about how to code uh, is Udemy. You, you can find really, really good tutorials in there. Uh, you also have Unity tutorials uh, in the Unity website, and generally now nowadays that you know we have internet and you can find absolutely anything in internet, uh, it's very easy to find all kind of all kind of tutorials, all kind of uh, resources that will help you uh, to to learn how how to program. But uh, of course, uh, th this is how to get the knowledge. But uh, what Ville was uh, speaking about is how to get experience. 
And the only way to do that is just by having discipline, by being patient, and by keeping doing what you enjoy doing. Yeah, makes N makes sense. Now, yeah. now that uh, Unity got mentioned, I I must counter that with uh, <laughs> Pixie JS <laughs> and okay. and TypeScript. Okay, okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so moving on, so Villacale. So you've done a lot of, in your career. You've done a lot of varied tasks from coding, design to HR, concept design, among others. Um, what areas have you found most challenging and has coding itself translated at least some of the skills to other disciplines in games that you've been doing? Well, everything is of course challenging. Uh, well, even well, when you start, you normally might think that, okay, this stuff is easy and then, then only after a while you sort of understand what you don't understand. So I, it's really hard to actually pick what the most hard hard thing is. But if I sh if I had to pick one, it probably would be HR. So recruiting people, like trying to like figure out whether this guy is gonna be a fit into my my company culture or not, just by like talking to to him for half an hour. That's like that's so super super hard, and it's also so super valuable. So if you make a mistake, that might like might cost you the company yes yeah so yeah how how has coding got transferred into other skills so obviously like there's a, a sort of structured approach uh, that that comes from programming and and thinking about things in sort of like pieces um i i actually have a sort of like a <laughs> way to think often about things that's a bit sort of quirky and it sometimes makes like understanding me a bit difficult as well because I, I i i tend to think in in a sort of code type of way so my thoughts might like go in deep into like subjects and then then they process like the the subject that's in the the sort of end of the the tree and then then the thought will come back all the way all those steps that i took previously during the past half an hour and then after after a while then people tend to sort of like why, why are we talking about this thing now well it's because this was the explanation for that and that and oh. that so yeah. <laughs> that's not necessarily a good thing i that's something that i try to improve in my my communication but it yeah. that the good part in that is it sometimes makes me think about things in a very different way than than what others think others do and therefore like i often get like a very different type of um view into many things uh -huh. so it's actually restructured in some ways the way you think about things yeah <clears throat> yes yeah uh, one discipline i i still have to sort of underline as something that really really gets like uh, contributed by by a programming background it's law so reading any sort of contract papers is essentially the same as programming Okay, that's a very interesting point of view. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, Alberto. So, what project in your career are you you most proud of? And you've also done team management in your career. And what kind of challenges surprised you most about this role? So the project that I am most proud of uh, is actually not part of my professional career. It's part of my open source career. Let's okay. say. Uh, it's a project that I made with several other people across the world. It's called Multi Theft Auto. Mm -hmm. 
and it's a multiplayer modification uh, for Grand Theft Auto San Andreas mm -hmm. uh, that allows you to play uh, in multiplayer a game that otherwise didn't have it originally and we did it through reverse engineering techniques by you know adding that extra support to the yes. game okay. uh, so regarding the second part of the question is actually unrelated from from this and i would say that uh, one of the challenges that more surprised me uh, in team management uh, was how hard can it sometimes also be uh, building trust with your team because ma many times we speak about leadership and you see all these funny pictures in Facebook about what's the difference between a leader and a boss, right? Mm -hmm. But uh, I would really narrow it down to that the biggest difference between a leader and a boss is that a leader is someone whose team trusts. Yeah. And yeah, yeah and uh, the, the most important thing for that then is building trust. But when you are dealing with a programming team, you are dealing with different people who have different backgrounds and they have different lives and they have very different personalities. So I, I would say that one of the biggest challenges is actually being able to have, you know, the different empathy for the different personalities and being able to read what those people need in order to build that trust. Yeah, it makes sense. Yeah, I can understand. Yeah, definitely with trust, it's a founding thing, isn't it, when you're working with others? Yeah. If you could give only one test to a junior programmer coming to an interview at your company, what kind of test or task would it be? And we'll start with Alberto. So considering that we are speaking about the junior programmer, it means that they yeah. probably don't have the, the knowledge and the experience for that. Yeah. Uh, so so we, we need to focus more on, first of all, that they are a good company fit, mm -hmm. uh, so that they fit in the, the company culture. And then we also need to focus on the attitude. Uh, and th that is going to be very important because uh, it's completely okay if you don't know something as long as you are willing to learn it, as long as you are passionate about it. So if, if we are making a test for a junior programmer, it doesn't really make sense to try to find out if they know 100 programming languages. Mm. That's completely nonsense. What you really want to know is if that person is something that is someone that you will be able to trust in the future, that uh, you will be able to count on. Mm -hmm. uh, so the, the the perfect test for them, if I if I need to give an example, would be research task. So I am not going to evaluate how much you know about this topic. I am going to evaluate how much are you able to learn about this topic. Okay, and Vilikale, something in the lines of of. Um, I know you are a programmer, but uh, we have this like a occasional need for for some some graphics as well. So if if you'd like to draw a uh, a guinea pig, please for for me. Okay, interesting. <laughs> <laughs> and the way to fail that is obviously not to draw the guinea pig, <laughs> okay. which I've seen okay. fail. Okay, so it really tests them if they're willing to do something that they necessarily don't want to do, yeah, or not used to doing. Yeah, yeah, it is about flexibility, really, about mm. like the willingness to try things that you don't have a clue. Yeah, yeah, it's a, a very interesting test. I have to try that one. <laughs> okay, um, 
what key things would impress you in a junior programmer's job application and any tips for an effective CV? And we'll start with Alberto. The, the very first thing that I would take is whether they are a cultural fit, of course. Uh, I think Billy would agree with me on that. Uh, but then uh, you also need to check whether they, they have a, an attitude uh, to, to, towards the, the job. So, for example, uh, if we are speaking about the junior programmer, therefore they don't have a, any professional experience on, on programming games, uh, you can check other things. Like, for example, if a candidate uh, managed some extra activities on the university and they, they were coordinating those, well, you, you see an attitude that, that they want you know, to coordinate those activities, that they are active people, that they enjoy what they are doing. So, for example, if I see that one of the candidates uh, organized a LAN party for 100 people, wow, they are junior, yes, but they, are, they really got the attitude for, for becoming you know, amazing game programmers. Yes. So that, that's a definite yes. And other examples, I mean, you, you don't really need to organize a big event. It, it can also be that you have a GitHub page uh, with your, all your cooperations with open source projects. And that's also a really good signal that they enjoy what they are doing and they really want to get into the industry and they really want to, to be great game programmers. Okay, and Ville? I think the ability to actually complete things is, is something that's really important. Um, for example, like even if, if you're like, you know, you've only graduated and that's the only thing you've ever done, if if the 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 style of co uh, school that you you went into was a school where someone is not like super forcing you into graduating, then the ability to actually complete that is 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 uh, something valuable, something you should should sort of underline. And again, like completing a game, making a game that's in the app store somewhere, in, in any sort of app store anywhere, like a complete game, even if it would be like really bad and like the graphics would be awful and every, anything like that. If it's a complete game that's released, that is a really big plus. And it's really weird how many applicants sometimes they, they seem to be sort of ashamed by like a game that they made and they don't want to show that and and then maybe after a while you you really need to pull that information out of them and yeah okay well I did actually make a game yeah, okay well could you show the code oh well it's so bad yeah okay well yeah. so if you made something that's done and you actually have some code that you made that's like something that you should be showing off rather than hiding it then looking at your your CV um, to me, your CV, the number one function of that, uh, well, apart from like the information it contains, of course, it has if it has like some some background information that's relevant, that I can maybe make a picture of what what this guy is all about, uh, what, what does she want to to accomplish, uh, what what is she passionate about, if if that that stuff should obviously come out of the CV and the application, but apart from that, uh, so. You should think of your CV as uh, a piece of example code if, if you are like applying for a programmer position. So if your CV is full of like grammatical errors and like you can't spell and and uh, and so forth. So especially since it's a written text and you're applying into a position where you're going to be writing text that has to be like super perfect, 
like if there's a single letter that's wrong then then the, it won't compile so uh, it, well <laughs> you should be looking at like indentations and 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 all sorts of things related to that in your CV and whereas in the application then of course like the application you, <laughs> you should spell check that uh, as well um, but in the application I think the primary thing that should come through is your your real will to work in my company so if if you're like yeah I just want the money I don't really care about this job you probably won't get the job especially the passion about working in games I mean where we for example are very small startups so people might not really know but of course that's a, a big plus if you actually played one of our games in, in Facebook Messenger then well then you at least you know you tried something but uh, but the passion I really want to work for games because I want to work for games or I, I actually want to like uh, spill my creativity uh, into like games and then perhaps get some compensation for doing that so I've got a quote for you and it's uh, most good programmers do programming not because they expect to get paid or get adulation by the public, but because it's fun to program. And it's by Linus Torvalds. And uh, do, you, do you agree with that comment or can you relate to it in any way? And we'll start with uh, Alberto. It is very hard to say uh, whether I agree with this or not, because I agree with some parts, but then I have the concern that these... Uh, this assertion, this sentence is, uh, you know, bringing a false dilemma. Mm -hmm. Because uh, it's not really a dichotomy. Uh, of course, most programmers are those who really enjoy what they are doing no matter what. But that doesn't mean that I wouldn't enjoy it even more coding from my big house in the beach, right? <laughs> <laughs> I agree. <laughs> exactly. So, yeah, of course. Uh, yeah. Uh, I agree with him mm. completely that uh, the best programmers are those who really enjoy what they are doing and mm -hmm. this, this cannot be questioned. But I wouldn't say that uh, there is also the requisite that you don't enjoy, you know, getting well paid or, yes, yeah. or also enjoy the peer validation as well. Yeah, sure. And Vilekale? Um, I think I'd agree and disagree. So I think there are different types of programmers out there. Uh, so some folks are, are really all about like the joy in programming, uh, and, and, and some folks are, are, they, they somehow love the order that, that programming at best sort of creates. And some, some of the, the programmers are, uh, people who want to create things with the programming they don't really care about the programming itself that much but they create about uh, they they care about the results and uh, I think all these different styles of, of programmers are are needed they they have their their pluses and their minuses and maybe a good combination of different types of programmers is is what makes a good programming team Okay, and moving on to the last question. So, can you offer any other words of wisdom or advice for beginners learning coding or graduates that are looking for a job in the mobile games industry? And we'll start with Alberto. Well, 
You're asking me for wisdom. I would really need to be wise before giving <laughs> any wisdom. <laughs> but uh, if I am going to, to give any advice uh, to any beginners learning how to code is uh, please do not get frustrated and continue doing it. If you enjoy it, uh, the most important is enjoying the, the way. So don't, don't focus too much on the results. Be patient because the, there will be a huge reward because you will be really enjoying the, the way to, to get there and you will get there step by step. I agree. Don't stop. The The way to learn to programmer to, to program is to program. If, if you don't code, you'll never be a coder. So yeah. just continue and continue, continue. But don't don't get cocky. Don't let the <laughs> arrogant <laughs> arrogance go yeah. into your head. Okay. Yeah. Uh, actually, that's a, a sign of a junior is is if you're arrogant. If you whenever someone questions you, then you start to spill out TLAs and and ETLAs, and those are of course three-letter acronym and extended three-letter acronym. So, <laughs> so weird letter combinations that no, no one has a clue. And then you try to wiggle yourself out of trouble because, well, you maybe don't know yourself what you're doing. So you should mm. remain humble, ask for help, and and try to listen to to uh, to professional people who who share some of their time and insight with you. Okay, so good solid advice from both of you. So I wanted to thank you very much for Alberto and Villecale spending time to give us their tips on breaking into the games industry as a programmer. Thanks very much. Thank you. Thank you.